How the heck are you on this first Tuesday in April of 2016? Miller and Moulton, 99.3 ESPN, 99.3 ESPN.com and the 99.3 ESPN app. I, I nearly hesitated before, before doing that today because, well, I mean, this building is rather quiet today. Oh, it's, they're very upset. A lot of, a lot of offices that doors closed. Black armbands are out. Lights not on for large parts of the day. I was expecting the microphone to be like cut off in the middle of that. And I'd get like a second half into that and just have Chris go, I'm not listening to this crap. I'm surprised he's even here today. I, I'm actually impressed that he showed up. I knew he'd be here in the morning. I figured by two he'd get sick and go home. Now, see, I'm that strange sports fan that thinks that last night's easier to take than a lot of others because you lost to, A, you lost a classic game, and B, you lost to greatness. And that, in a way, it's easier to accept. That, you know, you can genuinely, at some point, tip your cap and go, played pretty damn well. They beat us. How about that? I mean, the game was played at a very high level throughout. Both teams shot the ball really well. Carolina struggled shooting the second half. They were amazing in the first half. Seven of nine from three. Screwed up the last 30 seconds of the first half, though. Yes, they did. Had a seven-point lead and had a fast break opportunity. And as they were driving to the basket, you're thinking, oh, they're going to go up nine. And instead, Nova prevents the bucket and comes down and hits a shot at the buzzer, and it's only five at the half. And... You're thinking Nova kind of wiped their brow and went, whew, and I feel fortunate to only be down five. Well, then you start looking at it as well as North Carolina shot the ball in the first half. There's no way they could continue shooting the three ball at the pace they were in the first half, and they obviously didn't. But last night gave us an all-timer from an ending standpoint. You, you And a game. I mean, it was a really good game. Right, it was a really good game. But it was an all-timer for an ending. Oh, my goodness. My Five of the goodness. most amazing seconds that you will ever have in a basketball game. I'm trying to think of, you know, there's been a lot of shots that have won games. I kind of go back to a game that I barely remember as a child, that when you, to see two things happen back-to-back, I think it was game five of the Phoenix Celtics series, where they were down four before the three-point shot and were able to make one, steal an inbounds, and tie it and force another overtime. They ended up losing the game. But to have that much action in the final ten seconds of the game is is staggeringly great. I mean, North Carolina hit 11 threes and lost. North Carolina went 11 for 17 from beyond the arc and lost. And, in fact, trailed by 10 with five minutes to go. I mean, at what point when you were watching the game, and I'm I'm assuming Chris did as a Carolina fan, but the rest of us who I'm guessing were largely neutral and just rooting for a good game and were being entertained, at what point did you turn to somebody or just say out loud, wow, is Villanova ever going to miss a big shot? Man, oh man, how many tough shots, guys. Hands in their face, shot clock winding down, off the wrong foot, fade away. Well, and I think a lot of offensive greatness. I mean, good moves. I mean, great plays. 
And you're right. They made shot after oh. unbelievable shot. 58% from the field. 57% from beyond the arc. Man, oh man. Carolina hits 11 threes and out-rebounds them by 13. And loses. I mean, that's why I thought maybe, just maybe, it'd be a little bit easier to take for, uh, for our young boss over there. But based on the expressionless face, how long have you been dreading two o'clock? What time did the shot go in? Uh, 11.30. <laughs> so. <laughs> Is that 14 and a half hours? Roughly. What time did you get to bed last night? Uh, one, one thirty. And then this was the, the kicker on the whole deal because you can't watch ESPN or any legitimate sports outlet. <laughs> there wasn't a movie on worth watching and I thought, oh, live from the Masters. Okay, this will take my mind off of it and they're doing a Ben Crenshaw interview. So I, I played more Rory McElroy on the Xbox. That, that was it. I mean, well, I you, handled, can't, you can't listen it. to anything this morning, right? No, no. I mean, you can't no, listen it, it like op- a mic. It opened yeah. CBS this morning. Not, well, yeah. They did five minutes. I mean, after they have the, you know, your world in 90 seconds, they came back out and did, Dana Jacobs says, I did five minutes on the game to open the show. And this just in, the game was on TBS. Yes, it was. <sighs> Can I tell you my favorite part of the night, though, that has nothing to do with the actual game? I get a text from a friend last night. And I won't, I, he lives here in town, and I won't want to embarrass him, but he knows who he is. <laughs> so I get a text last night. All right. At, I don't know, I think there was 3.20 left in the game. So it was like 10 after 11, maybe? Yeah. Who is this announcer? I've just tried looking it up for 10 minutes. I respond, Jim Nance. It's the worst. He should never be allowed to announce another big game. Put on TBS, then. The UNC broadcast is on TNT. Ah, so it makes sense. I have someone that I know that watched TNT for nearly the entire game. The graphics say Tar Heels. It didn't even say North Carolina or UNC. It said Villanova, Tar Heels. So, in other words, this guy watched the Tar Heels broadcast, and he's yelling at the broadcasters of being such homers. Yes. Yeah. Do you know why? They were North Carolina's broadcasters. I will say, he switches with 320, sends me a text after the game. He goes, really wish I would have kept it on that station for the end of it. Didn't think it was a well-officiated game. Thought it was terribly officiated. I told Chris this morning. Boy, I'd love to take those same two teams, that same game, take the UNC uniforms off of all those players and put Duke uniforms on them and see if the game was called the same way. Because I thought North Carolina got the raw end of the deal on a lot of calls throughout the night. Which is funny because Villanova had key players in more foul trouble. Correct. But it seemed as if the shaky calls, the ones that we were you know, going to Twitter about, 
were wow, that didn't seem like a a good call. But, you know, well, they th- called Meeks for the foul for diving into a pile, which I thought was appalling. Well, and, that goes back. I mean, please, the end of the the Nova Kansas right. game. They called the Kansas player for diving on the ground for a loose ball. I mean, that, I, that's absurd. That's just a that's a terrible, terrible call. And then the jump ball right after that, to which I wasn't sure watching it live, but people that I trust who do college basketball for a living, the Pat Forties, the Dan Walkins of the world, who were tweeting that that was right in front of me. That's a terrible call. That's a jump ball. You mean the one with 36 seconds to go in a one-point game? No. No, 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 no. Before that, it was right, it was literally, I think, right after the Meeks Oh, okay. Well, but to me, the biggest call of the game was, you know, Carolina's come back from 10 down. They've cut it to one, and Nova's got the shot clock, you know, winding down, and the guy penetrates into the lane. And walks. And, well, he walks, and then before or right after the walk, I thought the Carolina defender got all ball. I was expecting, you know, thumbs up, jumps, jump ball. I was trying to figure out who had the possession arrow at that point. And instead they called a foul, and once again, you know, Nova pretty good from the line. And they're really good from the line and missed, and they missed a front end of a one-on-one right. late in the game. That was after Carolina missed two. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to come on here and complain about the referee. No, I don't, you can't. I don't think it impacted. Uh, I don't think it determined the winner, but I didn't think it was good. Okay, because to me, there was plenty of time left to overcome it. Carolina came from 10 down. The one call, though, with 35 seconds to go, that's a big call. That's a huge call. Now, you know, it went against Carolina. That's a big call. It's a, you know, obviously it's a judgment call. But it, but it, I thought he got it wrong. Not only did he get it wrong, it was a walk and then they called a foul. You just let everything go. It's one less point. You know, instead, I mean, if, if they get that one right, Carolina's got the ball down one. I mean, we still don't know how it plays out. Can you believe Marcus Page hit that shot? No. No, I don't know what's more surprising, the fact that Marcus Page hit that shot or that Carolina neglected to get the ball to Bryce Johnson the entire second half. Until they were down about 10. I think he had two shots in the second half. Made them both. I think he had two shots. Yeah. He didn't make them both. He missed one shot because he forced it. He got the ball at the You're elbow. Right. You're right. Pounded the ball back to this guy down and turned around and slammed it off the glass. But he banked the one in from eight feet with like a minute yeah. to go to cut it to one. You know, they... I thought Roy Williams had one stretch where he let it go a little long without calling a timeout when Nova was methodically turning the five-point deficit into the ten-point lead. All right, from like the 12-minute stretch to about the seven-minute stretch, he let it just go from media timeout to media timeout. And, you know, it's one of those moments, I don't know if people do this when they watch games, but, you know, every now and then I'll just yell out, I think you need a timeout here. All right, Roy, I'd take a timeout. You know, I think when Nova got it up to like seven or something, I'm like, eh, just may want to take a timeout here and remind them, get the ball inside. Yes, exactly. Just that, that message alone. I know players play and coaches coach. I get it. But at some point, they did nothing that happened. I mean, Villanova didn't change where they played defense in the second half. And yet, whatever they tried to change from an offensive standpoint for a team that has two point guards, they could not get the ball inside. Period. But, I mean, Joel Berry was four for four from three. Marcus Page was four of seven. And Jackson was three of four. I mean, North Carolina starters were 11 of 15 shooting the three. And they out-rebounded them by 13 and lost. 
That's how well Villanova played. Did you ever do this when you were a kid? Just something remarkable happens in a game, and you just head on out to, you know, what court, playground, whatever, and you just try to, like, to be honest with you, you know, Leitner's shot. Did you ever just try to throw the pass? Throw a pass, you know, people hit half-court shots, you know, Hit the rim from half court with, with one step. You know, try to get the ball when people throw up 70 footers. Okay. Take a dribble and hoist one and see how much effort it takes just to get the ball to the rim. You know, try to throw Grant Hill's pass one day. It's, it's, you know, the certain things that the great athletes do that it, the strength. I can't believe Marcus Page hit that shot. He's 27 feet from the basket. He's in mid-air, double clutching. The strength involved in getting that ball to the rim, never mind making it. I I just sat there mouth agape during the whole TV timeout. I cannot believe he just hit that shot. It was like a, a circus act. David, I try very hard to not use swear words on social media. I had a two-word tweet. The first word was holy. Second word wasn't cross? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was not. Nor crusader. Or family. Uh, (laughs) Unbelievable shot. Wow! Ran around my house. Oh, well, and I, you know, to me, the coolest thing was after that they they show the greatest of all time. Yeah, right. And he's acting the same way you are. He, he both was fists in the air, both, and then he gave it a couple. Yeah. He gave it a couple of fist bumps or fist pumps, and then after the game, and you'd probably already turned it off after the game when they come back, they show Kenny Smith. He's broadcasting, you know, he's part of the broadcast team. He's going to do the post game, and they got a ISO on him. And I mean, he's Tiger fist pumping eight in a row, and I mean just, I mean, he's jacked. Jacked like a 16-year-old kid or a 20-year-old kid that, that's going to UNC. That, to me, is what makes college athletics just tremendous. To see guys who don't need the money, have already had greatness, are terrific players, get that excited, that that's spectacular. And obviously to see Jordan react that way, because, you know, forget his pro career. Remember, he hit a pretty big shot as a freshman in this game. You know, loved, he loved, he knows, a, knows a little something about big jumpers down the stretch of this game. Loved, loved the interview with Sager, except for that the audio sucked. How do you, how do you let that happen? Uh, I, I don't know how much time can, you're into the game, and I doubt you spent I, a lot of time on I Twitter. Can, no, I, I spent tell zero you time. Happens. What happened? I, I can tell you how it happened. You're doing, you're going wireless, and you're going, you know, the antennas in, in a building, and this, that, and the other thing, and they may have been ever so slightly behind a, a certain wall, and it's just a little, a little glitch in the system. Hey, we did a, a Gator Bowl, Bobby Bowden's last game, and they win. Did I mention it's Bobby Bowden's last game? We're doing the game. It's kind of a big deal. The post-game interview with Bobby Bowden. Did I mention it's his last game? <laughs> okay. 
you know, how long did we know about this post-game interview? Well, we pretty much knew about it when we showed up at the stadium two days before. Right. We're going to talk to Bobby Bowden after his last game, win or lose. And we run out there with a bunch of wireless communications because uh, it's going to be in the middle of the field. There's going to be a lot of people and what have you. Yeah, wireless communication sometimes doesn't work. And we're live. And that's not a good feeling when you're doing live network television. And, and I'll just quick sidebar to say why but you will never hear me say a bad thing about Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden does the interview. It, of course, is not going over the air. We, you know, come back, do the all, hey, you know, stuff's happening. We'll try to get a fix. And we're running hard wires out there. Okay, we you know, run it, and it takes a while to run it from the sidelines, you know, to midfield there. And so we plug it all in, and we get it, and Bobby just patiently waited and then did the whole interview a second time. But, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? It's Craig Sager with Michael Jordan. You're going to put up with the glitches. I mean, we're getting about 80% of it. Eh, okay. And well, That's when I became Michael. I was Mike Jordan before that shot. Yep. That's just great. <sighs> awesome. Awesome. And then the great, you know, touching moment at the end. Yeah. You, you could really, boy, the NBA people love Craig. Just well, adore you him. Know, obviously, he worked in this market. Yep. People, people that have been here a long time know him. and but, He's been on this show a few times. He's been terrific when we've had him on. Yeah, he's he's as respected in the business as anybody I've ever seen. And, you know, I mean, I love Tracy, but I don't think Michael comes out of sands for Tracy. No. You know, meanwhile, I think Michael would have told Ahmad Rashad, hey, move over. Craig Seger's going to sit next to me, do this interview. But, and I guess Villanova practices that play every day in practice. And what normally happens according to, uh, you know, uh, Jenkins is that, uh, usually, uh, the guard ends up just penetrating and driving and usually ends up shooting. And so he said, and that's why I was screaming at him the whole way when they weren't carding me. I was, you know, he, he started screaming at him before midcourt. And so he, a couple more seconds goes by and, you know, in one of the postgame interviews, uh, you know, Archie there just said, I, I just, I, he kept screaming at me to give him the ball. So it was finally like, well, okay, here. Well, because two or three guys were guarding him and the rest of the Carolina team was just watching the play. Now I know it the was, first thing you're supposed to do is make sure that the guard doesn't penetrate. All right. And get in the lane and cause havoc and all that. But that was a little too easy to get that good a look. A little too easy, huh? It was. It was a little too easy. Yeah. Roy Williams got out coached the entire game. What happened on the last play is embarrassing. Embarrassing. For all of the greatness to have no one guard the inbounder, no one look at him the rest of the play, and essentially have two players standing on the basket watching the big screen. I played the same defense on my couch that they did. It was horrific. Horrific. That was a clinic. That was a coaching clinic yesterday. Anybody see the reaction from Jay Wright? Awesome. As Put his hands out and... Well, but also, as J- can you read his lips? No. As Jenkins is releasing the shot. 
and you see Wright's eyes start to follow the ball. And the ball is still on its way up. And Jay Wright says, bang. And then a second later, you hear bang. By the way, you know, it was obvious that it was on time and that there was no time left, but thank goodness for all of that because the guy in charge of the confetti would have been in a world of trouble because <laughs> he wasted no time to fire off the pyrotechnics. Boy, what happened to Houston and being the worst Final Four ever and nobody can shoot in these big arenas and, you know, are we going to... We're going to end all that? And the, you know, the media, and that's why I don't get into what's said on Twitter, because Twitter is just a place for media to talk to one another. But the media who were knocking Houston on Saturday were just, and this is before the end of the game. This is mid-second half going, the atmosphere in here is, I take back what I said about domes. The atmosphere is incredible. I mean, there were several people just talking about how, as the game was going, that the crowd was matching the game. Well, I think there's more fans of the two teams in the arena come Monday because a lot of the coaches leave. And a lot of the other fans have left. And, and so, therefore, all those tickets become available. And who buys them? Fans! I mean, Nova and Carolina fans bought those tickets. Yep. And you could hear them. You could hear both crowds, you know, getting up for their team. And that's something you don't hear in the tournament. You hear in home games... It's the element of the tournament that sometimes goes away, and you could clearly hear each school's fan base throughout that game. Miller or Malton? We're done talking about this now? Not even close. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of stuff going on in the sports world. Yep, and we'll get to it a little bit later on, and we've got plenty of days the rest of this year. Uh, it's going to be a tough day for you, Junior. It's going to be a tough day for you. We will talk a little baseball next hour with Mr. Marlin, Jeff Conine. We'll even look ahead. Four hours from now, we've got college baseball, second-ranked Miami Hurricanes against FGCU. We'll be broadcasting it here live on 99.3 ESPN. But, uh, Chris, I'm, I'm sorry to say we're probably going to take a few calls and you know, get some reaction. And It's an all-timer. You know, We do sports. That's what we do. Look ahead, though, not look back. Look ahead. At the past. Well, I, I, I think we will. And maybe by the end of the, the broadcast, we'll let you know what the uh, the preseason top 25 is for next college basketball season. I've already looked it up. <laughs> Miller and Moulton. Quit breaking that. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did it yesterday. I did it again. I know. I just waited till the end of the show yesterday. 99.3 ESPN. Miller Moulton, 99.3 ESPN, 99.3 ESPN.com, and the 99.3 ESPN app. Jeff Conine, an hour from now, Marlins have their season opener tonight. Tigers, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, a little bummed out because it's the only time they come to Marlins Park and opening night is a, is a tougher ticket to get, and tomorrow they play at 5. And that's it. Two-gamer, and then they're gone. Huh. That's a bummer for you. Yeah, it is. And for many a uh, uh, a Michigander. Well, no, they can all go. Florida. We can do. Come on. If you're a Michigander that's down here, the odds are you're not working. You're retired. You can zip over, do a little Miami for the day. Well, that is true. Maybe even stay over and catch a 5 o'clock game in uh, 
My mom was trying to get a winger to go with her and couldn't find one. Heading to the fifth inning in the Bronx. Yankees and the Astros are underway. If you get a chance to put that game on, we encourage it. (laughs) A while back, we told the story of what the Yankees president, Randy Levine, who, charming chap, explained that these great seats shouldn't be sold for less than face value because the people who would pay less don't normally get to sit in seats like that, and it's not fair to the people who paid full money. And he was harsher than my quick. Yeah, they're basically not worthy of sitting in the seats. That the people sitting next to them should not have to be around those kind. John Oliver, who hosts a show on HBO on Sunday nights, used that clip. And the clip's at least a month old, maybe a little longer. Oh, yeah. A couple months, right? But he played that clip on his last week tonight show that airs on Sundays. It's like yesterday's news tomorrow. Or yesterday, well, yeah, whatever. I mean, it's pretty funny. And had played that, and then they come back to the shot of Oliver, and he's got six. He goes, we have acquired six tickets. And you take a picture of yourself with what you're going to wear to the game. And I for the, there was a hashtag about not deserving the seats, and then hashtag for what day you wanted to go. And they were going to sell them to those people for a quarter. So, what are they wearing, Chris? What are, what are the pe- the two people that have the tickets today wearing? They are in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle costumes. Second row, <laughs> right behind home plate. <laughs> and he gave the whole disclaimer. They had you know, the legal rights and blah, blah, blah. And he says, and uh, I don't know why I have to say this, but I do. Uh, the New York Yankees have nothing to do with this promotion. It is absolutely spectacular. In the Legends Club, the Legends Club seats. They must be up getting a uh, $18 beer right now. Or they're in that that uh, lobby. Because they showed, if you watch the John Oliver show, they have a, some Yankees footage of this area when they were trying to sell these. A, a woman who worked for the Yankees describing them and showing the chefs that are there and they'll make you this drink and you have your own entrance. And basically, you do not have to carouse with the people that come to these games because they are beneath you. Right. Uh, you don't have to even come in contact with a commoner. Never. I don't even know if you have to look at one. I think the people you're looking directly across at, well, they are like you. They are like-minded and like-walleted. Because the Yankees are on TV a lot, and these seats are empty a lot. A lot. And have been since they opened the stadium. So they're having their home opener at the ballpark in the Bronx, the second one anyway. And they are playing in Cleveland, Red Sox and Indians. I guess the temperature's a lot like yesterday, but no precipitation. So Astros, Yankees, Red Sox, Indians, they are, in fact, underway. Marlins home opener tonight. We'll talk to Jeff Conine coming up next hour about the Marlins this season. We'll make our baseball Picks on the season coming up later on in the show as well. But your reaction to last night, 337 ESPN, 337 You know, was it the, the best championship game ever? And I, I don't know about that. When you look at Villanova, how many of those guys are going to play in the NBA? Well, does that have to be a part of it, the equation? 
Does that matter? No, but there's been a lot of great games. And when it's a great game with talent that's going to go play at the next level versus a great game with talent that's not, I, I just think better players play better, better athletes play better games. That's all. I, I don't know if the NBA guys could have played better in Villanova last night. If you know what I mean. I mean, they shot 58%. That, that's, that's my point. That if they had shot 48%, I'm with you. Well, and I and I know, and I guess we were so quick on the day after to say, "Oh my God, it's the greatest game ever!" It was a, and I don't, you know, I don't like that. It, right. It's the ending. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to go through all you know, from the NC State game on of the number of last second buzzer beaters, but there were two in five seconds. <laughs> yes, four point seven to be exact. But that, that's, I mean, it's not just a shot to win it. It's that this comeback in this tremendous shot to tie it and all of the energy on North Carolina side side gets deflated so quickly. I mean because of the two shots within five seconds, you know, that part of it had a Duke Kentucky feel from ninety two, you know, where they in the overtime they each kept hitting a shot to take the lead on the other. You know, the the one thing that I guess technically this is a buzzer beater like Keith Smarts is technically not. There was still, and actually Syracuse didn't call timeout. After Keith Smart hit that baseline jumper, there was like four seconds left in that game, and Syracuse didn't call time till there was one second left. That was in the day and age in which they didn't stop the clock in the final minute after a made bucket. And by the time Syracuse called timeout, there was only a second left. When Jordan hit the shot against Georgetown, there was still like, what, 19 seconds left? Remember, because Georgetown comes up and Freddie Brown throws the pass to Worthy. But this game was tied also. You know, you. Oh, there was, I mean, how many lead changes in it? I mean, there were, start to finish, it's a tremendous basketball game. I just, like a nice bottle of wine. Right. Sometimes you have to decant it. Sometimes you need to let it sit there and, and get a little air before we start the greatest stuff. I, we're always in the moment. Right. Saying that. And that, that's all, that's all my point is. But I have trouble. Finding a better ending. You know, for those that want to, you know, maybe go to the Jordan shot or the Keith Smart shot or, you know, even the Michigan Seton Hall game that went overtime and granted it was decided at the free throw line, but it was one point game decided by two free throws with a second to go. And it was a great game, you know, just the great the decade of finals. I mean, there's been a, there's yeah, been right. a lot of great, and that, Correct. I, I, and that's and, all that, you know, and the one thing that you know, for for those that are into ranking this sort of thing, uh, you know, if if you know Jenkins misses the shot, we go to overtime. Bingo. You know, Jordan misses the shot. Georgetown's probably winning the title. Keith Smart misses the shot. Syracuse is probably winning the title. You know, Nova misses the shot here. We go to overtime. Does that factor into the equation at all? But it is technically the second buzzer beater in title game history. Obviously, you know, uh, Wittenberg's assists there. <clears throat> And that, that's, that's what Derek now calls it. The assist to, uh, Lorenzo Charles there. Not an air ball? No. No, it was an assist. So you know what I mean. And, yep. and, and I mean, look at the ending. And, and it may be. We may sit back and, you know, if ESPN Classic or you wants to sit there and show me games for a day and I'm not one to watch a lot of old games, it, it very well may be. I don't like getting the list. I just, I like to appreciate it for just what it was. That was that was time well spent. You said on our show a long time ago, 
And this goes, you may have said it on other shows, and you may have said it before you and I started doing this together almost 10 years ago. There's no better reality television than sports. Every part of that, the shot of the Carolina, when they start giving you in the post game, and I turned into you last night. I'm, I watched through the one shining moment. I went right to ESPN and started watching Carolina Presser. I don't do that very often. One, I was about to fall asleep with eight minutes left in the game, and I stayed up till one thirty because I was so wired after that. Literally had to have a beer to go to bed. Might be my own personal problem. But I, the greatness of those kids to pull off, and I, I go back to pay, like you said, page a shot. How the hell does that go in? Unbelievable, that shot. That shot is ridiculous. Cannot believe it. The strength it takes, jump as high as you can, double clutch, and see how close to the rim you can get hurling a basketball with all your might from 28 feet away at the highest point you can jump. The strength to get that ball close to the rim. Never mind. Make it. Oh, I, I just... I couldn't believe it. At, at that moment, I thought, that's the greatest shot I've ever seen. I couldn't believe I mean, for as much as we've been marveling about Steph Curry this year, and, and I mean, it's Deservedly so. I, I'll tell you, Steph Curry watched Paige hit that shot and went, I'll be damned. Seriously. I mean, that's a shot you create in a game of horse because you've tried every other shot and you can't eliminate your buddy. And you just decide, all right, I'm going to just try to pull one out of my... This is the old McDonald's commercial off the scoreboard? Yes. This is, you know, the bird and the McDonald's. You know, we're going to make it up as we go along. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I'll say this. If you don't like North Carolina, after and if you by chance spent a half an hour watching the postgame last night, if you don't like North Carolina after how they handled this defeat, there's something wrong with you. And I mean that. I have never seen never mind college kids and you know you can take roy williams into this that and the other thing but you know like what he said last night shortly after the game you feel powerless right now as a coach you wish you know you could take their pain away but those kids stepped up to the microphone and after what we just went through with the whole debate after the super bowl and this that and the other thing man the class the grace grace that david that was the act when you started saying that the only word in my head was grace the presence marcus paid saying i wouldn't trade anything including this heartbreak right now for what i got to experience with these guys for the last 4 years yeah i thought i just <laughs> quite a young man oh quite a young man there's no doubt there i thought i thought I'm right with you. I was I was blown away by Paige and that man. Person. Those kids were just magnificent. Magnificent. No, it, was, it was. It was. It was special. And you could see. And I. And I like. I'm not a Roy guy. You could see the heartbreak. I don't know if I've ever seen that much pain on a coach's face. Well, and you know, and, and when he watches the film, it's going to get worse. Yeah, he's he's probably going to kick himself a little bit for that final play. Miller and Moulton. 337 ESPN is our number to call or text in on the Tavern on the Bay text line. Thanks for listening. Miller and Moulton, 99.3 ESPN, reminding you to stay up to date on the Masters all week. Updates all day, Thursday and Friday. Full coverage, Saturday and Sunday, beginning at 2 o'clock 
Major tournament coverage brought to you by Lumpy's, Mercedes-Benz of Fort Myers, and Towboat U.S. Cape Coral. 337 ESPN's our number, 337-3776 to call or text in Tavern on the Bay text line. You know, the difference between network television and cable seems to be about 10 million viewers, at least from last year to this year. Because last year it was CBS and then the two Turner outlets for, you know, the Homer broadcast, if you will. Now, last year's Final Four, though, was, you know, you had undefeated Kentucky, which Wisconsin took down in the semis. And, and you had Duke. Duke. And Duke. Right. Duke is the biggest draw on right. television, in, more so than Kentucky, nationally. So, Close, but Duke is the number one draw on television. So it was Duke, Wisconsin last year, and you know the tournament did higher ratings last year. The Saturday did much higher ratings last year, and as it turned out, Duke, Wisconsin on CBS and the two Homer broadcasts did about 28 million viewers. Last night, TBS in the two Homer broadcasts, of Carolina Villanova, about 18 million viewers. So, big difference. You know, first year of the Final Four on TBS, you know, if we wonder nowadays how much difference does it make, cable versus a network, and, you know, they they got a bad draw. The first game was the 44-point blowout. It was Oklahoma-Villanova, which, you know, two franchises that are not really, you know, national brands, and so... You know, it was not last year's Final Four, which, you know, obviously it was Duke, Michigan State. When Duke, Michigan State's the appetizer, you know, and then you got an undefeated Kentucky playing the Wisconsin team who had been to the Final Four the year before, and we knew them all. You know, so, but 10 million, that's a big number. No, it's a gigantic number. Back on CBS next year. They're going to alternate for a while. By the way, you know, we were talking numbers yesterday because yesterday was a square root day. Right. Do you know what today is? Because huh. every day is something these days. Just, and I don't bug you with, with boring it, it, ones. It's the Wisconsin primary. It's well, it is. You know what? David, Wisconsin primary would actually be a, a good clue because Wisconsin is the cheese state. Today's National Grilled Cheese Day. Really? I mean, for someone like you who enjoys I, cheese gonna, as much as any human I know. I was going to say, I think I owe you an apology. I need to start putting this in my in my calendar every year. Man, grilled cheese day. Grilled cheese day. Well, because you can do a lot with cheese, so you know you we have to make sure to differentiate it. So that's what's good. your favorite cheese on a grilled cheese? He you know, only likes American. Yeah, he, he ch- likes American I'm, and then American. I like American and cheddar. You know, I'm really I'm a Colby Jack guy in a grilled cheese. I'm boring. I just eat a lot of it. But I was looking here. This Annabelle Tomatich, and if I said your name wrong, I'm sorry, but she writes for the news press, right? And has the uh, the best grilled cheeses in South in, in the in, I guess in Fort Myers and Naples because mm-hmm. I knew about the Eleven Eleven Cafe that's the place that Alton Brown was at and uh, Gallet used to work here her friend runs that place so I I knew about that never mind in the Cape has this cheese and pork belly thing which mm-hmm. sounds absolutely incredible and this little place in Benita that I might stop at on the way home from work the other side bistro. Has a short rib grilled cheese sandwich. Love short rib. They're amazing. Yeah. 
maybe the most underrated meat out there today. So National Grilled Cheese Day, David. Hey, good job bringing up this topic because it's the first time he smiled all hours. I know. I you know why? We didn't talk about basketball. We didn't yeah, talk go about back sports. talking Final Four next I, I com- hour. And... I completely was able to get him away from everything. He's happy. He's God, thinking about he food. I know. He's going to get in the car during the break and go. I don't know who's going to run the board on the other side. Miller and Moulton, 99.3 ESPN.